Let me tell you what you're listening to. Welcome to Father Simon Says on Relevant Radio with Father Richard Simon. I'm here to answer your questions. Have a question? Give us a call. 1-888-914-9149. To ask any question you may have about the Lord, the faith, and the church. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is, in fact, a radio show called Father Simon Says on Relevant Radio. Oh, the readings today are kind of complicated. I don't usually say that, but they're complicated. Well, I will, I, <laughs> the voice of my, I just will skip them. No, 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 that's what we do here. We will not skip the readings. <laughs> we will pray and hope that I'm inspired in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit, they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Lord, you taught the hearts of the nations by the light of the Holy Spirit. Grant us by that same Spirit to have right judgment in all things, and evermore to rejoice in his comfort through Christ our Lord. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Saint Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God cast into hell Satan, and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord, while we got you on the line, I should have mentioned this, we've been asked to pray for, uh, 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 where did I put the letter, but um, I'll find it later, but Lord... Uh, one of the listeners called in and asked prayer for her brother who has COVID. And we ask you to heal him and bless him and all of those who are suffering from any disease, but especially from COVID. We, we ask your blessing, Lord. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All right, let's open the, uh, the uh, um, uh, what's that thing? Oh, good grief. I just got an email from the old country. Oh, well, uh, I'm already off the track. Yeah, from the old country, from Cousin Frank in Berlin. But in the, let's get back to what we're actually here for, the, the Bible. I am the Lord your God who grasp you, who grasp your right hand. It is I who say, fear not, I will help you. Now, this gets really strange. Fear not, O worm Jacob, O maggot Israel. That just sounds awful. Well, I'm having a hard time with this. Uh, because it doesn't, I, you know, I'm, uh, not with, uh, you know, not with Omega Israel. Uh, well, let's go to, to what the Hebrew text is. Um, this is uh, Isaiah 41, and it says, Fear not, worm of Jacob, Jacob, you little worm. Uh, and then you men of Israel, everywhere I look, it's not... Um, it's not it, the word it is maggot is not mentioned there's a worm that's mentioned it's a, a particular um red it's a particular kind of worm from which i get the feeling um it, it was it was crimson or purple um i i don't know if they may die from it but it it um yeah it it did it, it, i i get the impression that that they could use it for dye, but it's worm, uh, uh, and maggot isn't mentioned. It, it does, and I looked at other Hebrew texts, and the word uh, that they use for man is 
uh, the word for worm is tola, which means this little scarlet worm. Uh, then um, the word is is man, the generic word for man, uh, 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 mat. Um, so, oh, men of Israel, Mate Israel. So I don't know why they translate it that way. Uh, there must be something I'm missing. So, eh, at any rate, just. But that's that's tough enough. What 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 are we what are we saying here? You know. What the, what the psalmist is saying, or, or rather the prophet is saying, Isaiah, is that um, that Israel isn't that big. It's not that important uh, in the eyes of the world. Um, but Israel is very important in the eyes of God. And this fits in with the gospel powerfully. We'll, we'll, we'll get to the gospel in just a minute. But I wanted to talk about... Um, um, Israel being made a, th- a threshing sledge, sharp, new, and double-edged. I thought double-edged, what it really says is sharp-toothed. Um, I don't know, very few people have seen uh, wheat uh, ground in the traditional manner. I Years ago, I was driving through Spain, and um, uh, I saw a, 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 you know, the back rows. Some friends of mine and I went to Spain to see Spain before the expressway went in. Spain as it was, and um, um, we're driving over a hill, and there's this high, flat rock, and on it are a couple guys with, I I think it was an ox or two, and this sled-looking thing that was a guy sitting on it, and there are big stones on it, and they're going around in a circle, and I realized they're threshing grain. and we jammed on the brakes, got out and started taking pictures. They looked at us like we were crazy and said, next year we're getting a machine to do this. What are you taking pictures for? I said, we don't do it that way anymore. But but the traditional <clears throat> way that you, you prepare grain is you, of course, uh, harvest it. Then you, you take the, the ears of, of grain and you put them on a, a stone floor. And um, it's got to be up on a high place so a wind can can go over it. What you do then is you get animals to walk on this grain. Uh, thank heaven that uh, he kills all the germs. But uh, you drag this sled around in a circle and you crush the grain to break the outer chaff, the outer layer. And um, the, the surface is uneven, so you have to have kind of an uneven surface on the sledge. You have to have kind of teeth on it. So that's what's saying. It's not double-edged. It's sharp-toothed, uh, new sharp teeth. This, this sledge has not been worn down and flattened. Because you see, the surface of the rock is uneven, so you have to have these, you have to have kind of a lumpy, bumpy sled uh, so that it will reach into all of the, the crevices in the rock and the indentations in the rock. And that's what this is about. Uh, a double, it's sharp, new, and, and, uh, <clears throat> and sharp, a uh, new and sharp toothed. So this is, this is the picture. Now, St. John, um, who we're going to talk about again in the gospel, this, this relates the passage to, to the gospel passage. St. John talks about, uh, the root is of the axe of the tree, and he will have his winnowing fan in his hand uh, to to thresh out the grain. You see, when you got the grain all crushed, you, you sweep it into a big pile in the middle of this threshing floor, 
and then you take this big shovel it looks like one of those pizza oven shovels and you just throw the grain up in the air and this is the reason it has to be in a high place so there's a prevailing wind the wind comes comes and blows the lighter uh, chaff the outer shell away and the heavier grain drops more directly to the ground so you develop two piles a big pile of chaff that's useless and then the smaller pile of the grain that's what you're going for now saint john the baptist talks about the holy spirit he will he will baptize you with with uh, fire and the holy spirit his winnowing fan is in his hand to thresh out the grain the threshing of grain involves harvesting plucking it involves crushing and then it involves burning you burn the chaff uh, people talk about being baptized in the Holy Spirit as if it was this wonderful experience and uh, fine it may be a great experience but the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life separates us from everything that is not useful to God there is burning there is crushing there is separation uh, and and this is this is a violent process in a certain sense now <clears throat> Let's look at the gospel. This is very complicated. Amen, I say to you, among those born of women, there has been none greater than John the Baptist, yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Well, that means that John the Baptist must be greater than the Blessed Mother. No, the Blessed Mother was immaculately conceived. She was never out of God's royal heritage. And I always translate uh, kingdom of heaven as God's royal inheritance or God's royal nature. But she was never out of it. Um, uh, reasonably, reasonably, I'm I'm born in the kingdom of heaven by by nature of my baptism, and so are you if you're baptized and in a state of grace. Um, how is it that I, who am a devout coward and a, a rather um, <laughs> unenergetic sort, how is it that I could be greater than John the Baptist? I mean, that's ridiculous. He was a hero for faith. I know something that John the Baptist didn't know, and so do you. I know Christ in him crucified. I know what God's royal nature is like. I know what the kingdom of heaven is like. It's Christ on the cross, perfect love and perfect obedience uh, to the Father. So uh, that's, I believe, what Jesus is saying here. Now, it gets really tough. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. What? And the violent are taking it by force. Now, when you when you hear this, when I hear it, I think I must be wrong about thinking that the primary meaning of kingdom of heaven means God's royal inheritance. But I don't think so. Let's 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 try it that way. Yet the least in God's royal inheritance or in God's royal nature is greater than John the Baptist. From the days of John the Baptist until now, God's royal nature suffers violence <laughs> what does that mean well the Sadducees <clears throat> especially the priestly classes controlled the temple and they were scrupulous in their following of the law so that they might be ritually clean but they didn't encourage the people you know just pay pray and obey you know don't do this at home we'll take care of religion for you well Remember, we, we, we saw in the reading, oh, worm Israel, little Israel, unimportant Israel. That's the point, that, that these unimportant people, people who are unimportant 
uh, in the eyes of aristocrats and uh, and and the upper classes, they were taking heaven by force. Uh, John the Baptist, uh, when he said, you know, that who, when he yells at these aristocrats coming to baptism, he says, and and who told you to flee from the wrath to come? Uh, that that John the Baptist, by baptizing uh, people who were already Israelites, was insulting. You see, uh, in the process of conversion to Judaism, if you decide to become a Jew, what happens is you take instruction, then you live by kosher law, and if need be, you are circumcised, uh, and the final thing is you take a ritual bath, a mikveh, to wash all the Gentile dirt off you. Well, John was washing the, the dirt off everyone. Well, I don't need to be baptized. I don't need to be converted. I'm a son of Abraham. You need to be converted, St. John the Baptist is saying. And you're no more special to God than, than the poor beggar at your door. Uh, you're special to God, but not more than, than, than these little ones, uh, these little people who you look at as maggots, as, as worms. So this, <clears throat> the word, uh, the violent are taking it by force. The word is, uh, oh, it's biastai. Uh, let me pull it up. <clears throat> and it's an interesting word. Ah, there it is. Uh, the word is biastis, and it's a forceful or violent man. It also means one who is eager in pursuit. Uh, <clears throat> biastis can mean assertiveness. Um, when you're fired up, you know, that, that this, is, this is what the word means. It doesn't mean someone who is violent uh, in, 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 in uh, an antisocial way, someone who is fired up, <clears throat> someone who really wants this. That's what it means. And uh, the, the aristocrats of Israel looked at this as well. This belongs to us. It's ours. We don't have to want it. It's ours already. And Jesus is saying, no, John the Baptist told you that that you have to have an, a, 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 a desire, a, a thirst, a passion for the, the God's royal nature, that uh, uh, it isn't enough just to be in the club. And he's saying that to us. It isn't enough to be in the club. You know, are you saved? Oh, yeah, I, I got saved at a, a rally when I was 10, and I'm, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> One of my favorite songs, uh, <clears throat> uh, 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 oh, I forget I forget how it starts, but one of the things is, oh, I've got no, uh, Lord, don't you know, I have no friend but you. If heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what will I do? I love that song. But one of the verses is really, once saved, always saved. Uh, I made it up with Jesus. Heaven is expecting me of this, this much I know. I made it up with Jesus a long time ago. <laughs> I'm not so sure. <laughs> you know, it, it's uh, just I'm in the club. Whether you're in the Catholic club or the Protestant club, it's not enough just to be in the club. Uh, uh, the violent, uh, the forceful uh, take take this royal nature by force. I got to have God. I got to have God. That's what, what's going on. And John the Baptist insulted the, the great of the world by his preaching. Uh, and it goes right back to that first reading, uh, really. They, they go well together. That um, Fear not, <clears throat> Jacob, you unimportant little worm. <laughs> o men of Israel, I will help you, says the Lord. Uh, I will make of you a threshing sledge. 
Uh, in other words, uh, you're going to be involved in this violent process of crushing the grain. Um, and uh, fine, whatever you need, Lord, uh, I got to have it. So I think that that's the sense of it. So uh, it's it's a to me it's a very difficult thing to understand. But um, this idea of uh, uh, just being, you know, all the prophets in the law prophesied up to the time of John. Well, uh, I don't need to do anything special. I'm an Israelite. I don't need to do anything special. I'm a Catholic. I don't need anything to do to do special because well, I got saved when I was ten years old. Uh, at a at a camp meeting, oh no 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 no, um, you know the kingdom of God. You're either in it or you're out of it. Uh, <clears throat> it's not static. Uh, I remember hearing a, a Pentecostal preacher say that uh, you could tell um, where the uh, entrance to the kingdom of God was by all the skid marks in front of the people trying not to enter. So um, yeah, at any rate, I just. The violent bear it away. It really means those who are those who are really. I want this no matter what it takes. Then pray God that's us. All right, we're going to go to a, a, a break. We'll come back with uh, mass hysteria, and uh, then we will open. Well, I think we'll open the lines now. And please, again, don't wait to call till the last minute. Eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine. Again, eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine. We'll be right back. The Relevant Radio Studio Line is sponsored by Catholic Order of Foresters. Information about employment opportunities and their flexible premium life insurance plans available at relevantradio.com slash forester. Yes, yes, whoever. <laughs> All right, let's go to letters. Oh, mass hysteria. I forgot mass hysteria. Undo the letter thing. We'll have to do that again. Mass hysteria. I totally forgot mass hysteria, but I'm ready for it. I've got Dogs and cats more hysterical stuff. Mass hysteria. I, I've said two days in a row that I really believe that liturgical abuse is in large measure responsible for the mess we are in. And I got a letter uh, that, of course, I don't. <laughs> I haven't pulled up, but I got a letter. Uh, that says, well, yes, and it didn't start 500 years ago or 700 years ago. It started in the Garden of Eden, which it's true. I, that was an interesting kind of uh, approach to it, that that it actually did begin early, early on. Um, that that this idea, to, uh, Francis George, uh, the, may he rest in peace, the former Cardinal Archbishop of Chicago, used to say, when you start your own religion, you find that pretty soon you're worshiping yourself. And that's that's exactly what the sin of Adam and Eve was about. They they did they wanted to be friends with God, not not to be the the sons and daughters of God, but to kind of be on an equal footing with God. And I think that's much of what this is about. Um I was thinking what I really was thinking about was uh, coffee table masses. Um I don't know if many of you have heard of coffee table masses. But when I was in seminary, especially in the college, you would have 
coffee table. Literally, mass on a coffee table. The priest would wear a stole, perhaps, and you'd maybe consecrate bagels and Mogan David or whatever was was uh, fashionable at the moment, and you'd sit around the coffee table. And, of course, the, the bagel or the pita bread or whatever was being consecrated would be broken up and passed around, and everybody would take a piece, and then all together you would say, Behold the Lamb of God. And you might make up your own canon. You know, you might... He who starts his own religion pretty soon finds that he's worshiping himself. And I mention these things because um, the chaos of the liturgy now and the 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 it isn't the informality has died a little bit, but it isn't just formality that 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 is important to a liturgical sense. The idea that I'm worshiping God. That this isn't about me. This is this is this is kneeling before the Lord. Uh, I, I think it's it's essentially an attitudinal thing. And, and I'm always telling you, I'm not talking about the old mass versus the new mass. Uh, the new mass, uh, the way it was taught to us, really is prone to to liturgical abuse. Be, not because of the new mass itself, but because we were taught that. You could improvise now, and there are more uh, legitimate places in in the Novus Ordo for improvisation. For instance, the prayers, the, uh, the so-called prayers of the faithful, that are usually written by a committee. Um, uh, different things like that. The ability to choose different different. You know, it's it's interesting. Uh, people who want a Tridentine wedding, and uh, then they have an uncle who's a priest who wants to consult. You don't can celebrate in the old rite. Oh, but can he consult? No, he can't. Uh, well, what readings do we pick? You don't pick readings. The readings are there, and so on. That uh, or or people want a Tridentine funeral, and then they want to uh, pick a read. No, the readings are set. But 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 can't we make do? You know, I was there was a poem I wanted to read. No, you don't. So, admittedly, there is more ability to improvise, and that isn't always bad. But the essential text of the Mass is the text of the Mass. And uh, as I said, I think it's more an attitudinal thing. Is this about me or is it about God? Uh, the fruit on the tree, uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, is it about me, <laughs> said Adam and Eve, or is it about God? So just some thoughts on that. Um, all right, now let's go to letters. All right. Uh, this is when I'm going to need your help. I don't know the answer to this. In the first sentence in today's reading, uh, I was reminded, this is from Nancy, I was reminded of an icon I had a question about. Years ago, I saw an icon of Adam and Eve while attending a conference on marriage that included Father Dan Mertz, who spoke there. <clears throat> it sh the icon uh, um, showed Adam grasping not the hand, but the right wrist of Eve. They weren't sure. Guessing that grasping the right the wrist would be a sign of superiority? Uh, I wrongly assumed that it had to do with marriage, uh, a Jewish marriage gesture, but um, I don't think it, it does. Uh, I don't know either. And I'm wondering if anyone in our listening audience, I have seen medieval pictures where where someone is grasping the right hand of, of, of a bride. And, and I'm wondering where that comes from. Uh, let me just do this. Grasping... Let's see. It, it's a stronger grasp. Um, 
it doesn't, there's nothing, I, I've been unable to find it. Um, it, it just is, well, it just, uh, well, this is the hand, of, the closest I can come is, is the idea of the hand of God, uh, that, that, uh, to, to the way that we would usually hold hands is kind of a mutual thing. Um, and there may be a sort of superiority in it. God grasps us by the wrist. It's a much stronger grasp. That's all I can think of. So if anybody who is an art aficionado knows the answer to that, ah, that would be nice. I could use the help. Let's see. we got a smart audience. Okay, let's see here. All right, let's see here. Okay, now another one here. This is from uh, Aaron. Hello, in the Western Church, we make the sign of the cross left to right. Why is the opposite direction in the Eastern Church? Well, Aaron, there's a reason, which I was told. Uh, when the priest blesses you in the Western Rite, he goes from left, uh, his, let me think, he goes, his left to right, and you're you're doing what the priest is doing. In the Eastern Rite, they mirror what the priest is doing. His hand goes left to right, so if you're facing the priest when he blesses you, your right shoulder is 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 opposite his left shoulder. It's probably just a custom that developed, but people have uh, assigned great deep theological meanings to it so that we can argue with each other and thus grieve the Holy Spirit. So it isn't a big deal, but I was told it was just the custom that we have of doing what the priest was doing, going left to right, whereas they mirror what the priest is doing. So if he goes from left to right, they go from right to left. If I'm wrong about that, again, I would love to be corrected, but that's kind of what I was uh, was, was taught. All right, now this one is from Gail. Do you think in the long view of things there uh, was Melchizedek a Jebusite? Do you think that in the long view of things there's any significance of uh, of that if he was? Yeah, uh, he would have been a Jebusite because Jerusalem, before it was Jerusalem, was the city of the Jebusites. It was also called Jebus. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's he would have been a Jebusite. However, uh, which was one of the Canaanite tribes, now, the significance, um, uh, the, the significance that comes in is the word Jerusalem means, uh, um, means the establishment of peace. That's one of the possible interpretations of it. Uh, and when the letter of the Hebrews talks about Melchizedek as a type of Christ, he, he I believe he mentions that. Let me see. Uh, well, you're going to have to trust me for that. I'll have to trust me for that. I'll look it up in the break. But uh, the fact that he was was um, the king of that city, um, I'd have to think about the significance of it. Um, Melchizedek is a very mysterious figure and a, a very uh, almost mythological in Hebrew thought. Uh, so, uh, you know, that that's... It's it's a little more complicated than just kind of a significance, and and as I think about it, I, I'm not sure that it's it's significant beyond he his being a type for Christ, that he was both priest and king, and he was uh, his city was the place called the establishment of peace. So, which of course it probably really is 
anything but. All right, now this is another one that I don't really know about. I was thinking about the nine choirs of angels, and I noticed that the guardian angels are not present in the nine. What defines a guardian angel? And can any angel be a guardian angel? I have no idea, but yes, I don't think there's a special cadre of guardian angels. Uh, remember that uh, uh, an angel, the word angel just means messenger. And um, all of the angels in their relationship to us are messengers. Um, so uh, they, they protect us by bringing us God's word, his, his message, his plan. Um, so... Uh, I, I would assume that any angel who's sent by God to do something uh, is a guardian angel. We see that Gabriel, who was one of the, the the archangels, the leading angels, was sent to convey a message to the Blessed Mother. And Raphael, uh, we read in the book of Tobit, guarded uh, um, uh, Tobit on his, his journey. Uh, um, so, yeah, any angel can be sent by God to do guard duty. Uh, at least that's how I would interpret the scriptures on that. Let's see, how are we doing time? Oh, we're doing pretty well. Let's see here. All right, I got one from, oh, let's see here. No, that's not the one I'm looking for. Hold on. I got this one from Dan in Honolulu. I just wanted to second your statement that our current troubles, ah, this is this is uh, the letter I referred to was from Dan. Um, that our current troubles are because of liturgical abuse. I think it might be older than the Reformation. Ultimately, I think it goes all the way back to the garden, where Adam was to till and to keep. Uh, uh, the Do you know that, that, that we always think of Adam laying about doing nothing? You no, know, he was he had a job. He had to guard the garden. Um, and the word is interesting because it's, it's shomer in Hebrew. Uh, someone who keeps the Sabbath is a Shabbat Shomer. He guards the Sabbath, speaking of guardian angels. So he was to tend and to and to to keep, to protect the garden. He failed on both accounts. And then time and again, we see men failing in connection to liturgy. Adam failed to trust God and protect his wife. Moses told Pharaoh, let us go into the desert to worship. Pharaoh hardened his heart. Many of the disciples walked away when instructed to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Liturgy and life are inseparable. Our life is worship. So if I suspect that if we learn to worship well at Mass, then we will worship God well in our lives. This is a great letter, Dan. Thank you. That, that liturgical abuse, in a sense, as I said earlier, it's to, it's to worship ourselves instead of to worship the Lord. That's a great letter. Thanks, Dan. Okay, I think I got time for one more letter before we go to a break. Let me get this here. All right. Um, this is for Madeline. Uh, she wanted to... to uh, Hear the story again. I'm 22 years, and and uh, I was listening to your show, and uh, I'm emailing you regarding a story I heard you tell about a young boy. The story: the boy asks his mother, "If God is real, why can't we see him?" Well, uh, I'll I'll tell the story again. Uh, so uh, uh, the story is simply this: you know that that this 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 little boy goes up to his mother, and uh, says, "Mommy, if God is real, why can't we see him?" 
And she says, I'm very busy now. Go ask your father. So he goes, asks his father. And of course, dad is very busy changing channels on the, on the, I'm being a chauvinist, a reverse chauvinist. He's changing channels on the TV. And he says, I'm real busy. Go ask your mother. So this kid realized he has just been um, dissed by mom and dad. And a few days after that, he's going fishing with grandpa. He's grandpa's pride and joy. And, uh, it's a fall day, and they go out on the lake, one of these beautiful lakes up in the Minnesota, Wisconsin area, where um, on, a, on, a, on a morning the, the fog is coming off the lake, and the, the water is like glass. Uh, it's so still, and uh, the the leaves have turned. It's 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 a beautiful thing, and and um, this little boy looks at his grandfather, and he says, "Grandpa, if God is real, why can't we see him?" And the old man looks at the boy, and then he just looks away. And, of course, the kid thinks he's he's going to be uh, uh, given the short, the short end of the stick again. And, well, after a couple of minutes, the old man looks back, and he says to the little boy, These days, God is pretty much all that I see. As you get older... God, if you know him, is pretty much all that you see. He is all in all. So, Madeline, I hope that that answers your question. All right, we're going to a break. We'll come back with uh, uh, the word of the day, which is a really pointless word of the day. It's one of those days, this show. Um, it's, it's, but I just had to look it up. Uh, so we'll come back with the word of the day. Yes, the voice might have said, well, you're really selling it, aren't you? Well, the truth is the truth. So, oh dear. Uh, we'll be right back. 888 don't wait till the last minute to call in. 888-914-9149. I tell you this every day. All right, we'll be right back. you got to accentuate the positive Well, hello. We're accentuating the positive. This is a song from my childhood. What year was this? Do we know? It's, it's got to be in the early 50s or the late 40s. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I'm that old. All right. Well, let's go to the word of the day. Well, the word of the day. Where did I put the word? There it is. The word of the day. We see uh, um, in the reading that I will plant in the desert the cedar. Well, we all know what the cedar tree is kind of like. It's, but the, uh, and the cypress, that's a kind of uh, the plane tree, the pine tree. But acacia, myrtle, and olive, we know what the olive tree is. And the acacia was a, a tree that they used to make the Ark of the Covenant. But myrtle, what is the myrtle tree? I, I didn't know what a myrtle tree is. Well, the myrtus communis, is native across the Mediterranean region, and uh, it's uh, let's see, it's it's um, it has medicinal properties. Apparently, you can use it uh, 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 to make a, a drink, but more than that, it it, uh, <clears throat> it along with willow tree bark, it has a a, um, a medicinal uh, uh, property. Uh, it it's it acts like aspirin, so the myrtle tree, <coughs> the Lord is promising to plant aspirin trees, which uh, 
would be very useful. I think that that's kind of neat. So, yes, give uh, the voice of my head's quoting a movie in which uh, give him a set of gifts. Yeah, it's a, it, it, this myrtle tree. So it was useful. I don't know if you've ever wanted to know about the myrtle tree. I should throw in something about the olive tree. Just it's more spiritually useful. Uh, the olive tree, olives are incredibly useful. I mean, the oil of the olive, uh, you use it medicinally, you use it uh, 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 for light, and you use it for food. It's incredibly useful. But, you know, if you remember the psalm that says, your children will be like olive trees around your table. I always thought that was kind of an odd thing. Are you calling my children potted plants? Of course, <laughs> some of them do seem like potted plants. But uh, there's something about the olive tree. When you plant it, you don't get any fruit for the first 15 or 16 years. No fruit at all. And you don't get a crop until the tree is about 30, 40 years old. Hmm. I think that's very significant. That children, you don't get much out of them, especially when they're little. They are, um, uh, you know, a rather uh, uh, high-intensity job raising children. Uh to raise children and to raise olive trees is comes from a belief in the future, and a, a, and and they're related to the virtue of hope. So, um, if you wonder why your children are like olive trees planted around your table, um, it's not because they have the brains of potted palms. That's not what the psalmist is saying. He's saying, "Hang in there; it'll work out." All right, uh, let's go to phones. This is smart, Maxwell Smart. Oh, I'm not feeling smart today at all. Gwen from Minnesota, are you with us? Gwen, what can I do for you? Hi, Father. <clears throat> I have a question about apostolic pardon and last rites. I'm wondering if when yeah. a priest gives last rites, is the apostolic pardon always um, part of that? And can you explain what that is? No, no, it is not necessarily part of it, as I understand. I mean, every priest I know, when he, when he encounters someone in danger of death, would would um, uh, do the best to hear one's confession, uh, and if one is not conscious, uh, would give them absolution. The apostolic pardon uh, is is a special gift uh, established by. Uh, the popes in Rome uh, to confer a plenary indulgence on the person if they are able to receive it. But so it's it's not automatic. Uh, but I don't know any priest who doesn't do it when he meets someone in the da in danger of death. So does that answer your question? Well, it's it um, a little. I need a little bit more. Um, so if someone goes to confession before they die, before they're sick. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and they have a mortal sin on their soul that they didn't confess, does the last rites take that away? Not necessarily. Uh, if they forgot to confess it, of course it's absolved. If they were trying to hide a sin uh, from the Lord or from the priest, then it isn't. They haven't confessed it. They haven't agreed. You know, the word confession, I said the other day, means to agree. They haven't, they haven't admitted their sinfulness. They refuse to humble themselves. And so it wouldn't be absolved. Uh, uh, if the person is disposed, uh, then yes. Uh, the, the, the anointing uh, with, with uh, the, the extreme unction, which means the, the sacrament of anointing, uh, 
has the power to forgive sin if the person is unconscious and cannot confess their sins uh, out loud. If they are disposed to ask for God's pardon, yeah, it would be uh, 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 forgiving and absolving. But but uh, the intention of, of the refusal to admit that one is a sinner, that's that's that negates absolution. Does that help? Well, so as you said, if the if the person who's dying is um, non-communicative because they're mm-hmm. um, you know in a, a medical in a induced coma, coma or yeah. something, then they're yeah. forgiven because they can't do anymore. Correct? They're forgiven if they are disposed to it. You see, I, I've had interesting experiences with this. That that when people are in a coma, frequently they can still hear quite well. Uh, I, I remember a, a gentleman who was uh, had been away from the church for a long time, had gone through a rather routine surgery, but then had kidney failure and heart failure. He was up in years, uh, and I was called to the hospital in the middle of the night, and uh, um, we had been talking, and he was on his way back into the church, and uh, you know when he got out of the hospital, he was gonna, you know, go the whole schmear. Well. He didn't get out of the hospital. I remember going to the hospital and, you know, the heart monitor's going beep, beep, beep. And I said the act of contrition and gave him absolution. And the minute I said amen, beep, he was just waiting for me to come. So he, to all the world, he was unconscious. But he was still there. You see, the soul is still there. The person is still there. Uh, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and he was, I really believe he was waiting for me. I've had a number of experiences like that, 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 um, that, uh, people hold on, uh, by the grace of God. So does that help? Yeah, that, that does help. Okay. Well, thank Good. you very much, father. All right. Well, thank Advent. you for listening. Happy, happy. All right. God bless. All right. Bye-bye. Who we got now? Dear voice in my head. Annette from South San Francisco. Annette, what can I do for you? Oh, hi, Father Simon. Um, yes, I had a question about solemnity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yesterday yes. being the solemnity of uh, macro conception. Do all solemnities, my understanding is they, they last for seven days or a week. Would that be the case? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, if, if they do, I didn't know that. Um, no, I don't Ooh. think so. Uh, let me, oh, let maybe me I'm look. thinking of octaves. Uh, Maybe an octave? An octave. An octave lasts for a week, yes. it's octave means eight days, so which is a week essentially the way that the, the it's a way of thinking of it. Uh so uh, does does that help? Yeah, it does. I was I was hoping I could kinda because I didn't celebrate yesterday's I mean I could go to mass, but I wanted uh, to celebrate it more. And I thought maybe I could extend oh, it today and you know, go to mass. Of course you can. Why not? <laughs> Certainly you can <laughs> enjoy, you know. Uh, um, the yeah, the uh, the 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 solemnities are. Uh, uh, I think they're just you know. There's there's the eve of they begin with the vigil. You know, we we kind of go mm-hmm. back to the Jewish practice uh, when we have a solemnity or a Sunday. 
that that the day the day ends at sundown kind of thing. So we would have a vigil mass or first vespers of the solemnity or of the Sunday. Uh, so we kind of go back to our earliest roots and we get kind of Jewish having um, the vigil. So in a sense, a solemnity is two days, an evening and then the day, uh, but not, not seven as far as I know. So I hope that helps. <laughs> Enjoy, Thank celebrate. It's always every day is a good day to honor the Blessed Mother. She's lovely, so it'll work. Okay, thanks, thanks for listening. God bless. Okay, who we got now? Jim from Skokie. Are you with us, Jim? I am, Father. Good. What can I do for you? I had a question in the first reading near the end. It mentions um, uh, together with the plane tree and the pine i wonder what that refers to well a pine tree that's that's pretty much it refers to well pine trees but the plane tree i believe is a kind of pine let me look it up real quickly uh it's um no it's not a kind of pine it's uh um uh well they they, they have different kinds of trees uh it's something called a plane tree uh in in uh, there's the chinese plane tree which is i believe a deciduous tree but then then there are um uh the the western plane tree which is uh uh um related to the, it's it's related to the sycamore tree but it it's it's just a kind of tree I don't know how else to put. It. I think in these readings, what's being talked about is that that the desert will bear fruit. The desert will, the forest is abundant and a sign of great water, and um, uh, I think that's what all those trees being mentioned are about. Trees are very useful. Uh, um, so uh, the plane tree. There, there are a lot of things that were called the plane trees, but. Um, you know, they're different kinds. So I, I don't know if that helps. How have you been, by the way? I haven't spoken to you in a bit. This is a gym good. I How know from my there? parish. Pretty good, pretty good. Still trying to cope with retirement, but I'm... Uh, it's it's interesting. It's different, but uh, uh, there you go. Well, at any rate, it's good to hear your voice. So uh, if I learn anything else about the plane tree, I'll let you know. It's it's a useful tree. Uh, um it's an ornamental tree mostly uh 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 and also has some some minor medicinal uses supposedly so uh um uh, uh you know the, like the myrtle tree it's it's medicinal so there it's useful God well dear. good I to hear your you. voice god bless thanks god bless for calling you in and your wonderful ministry and a very blessed merry christmas father Thank you, thank you. I'm a little fuzzy today. I don't know why. Oh, well. Old age. Ah, who have we got now, dear voice in... God bless. Who have we got now, dear voice in my head? Rose from Rubicon, Wisconsin. Are you with us, Rose? Yes, I am, Father Simon. Thank you. Good. Um, Yesterday at Mass, our priest talked about God choosing Mary before she was conceived. And Mm -hmm. it just got me thinking... And I, I think I understand the Trinity. I didn't have Catholic school education, only catechism mm-hmm. lessons. But is there anything in the Bible about how God was conceived? And is he still in heaven, or is he now as Jesus? Well, the Trinity, what, what, we, what the Trinity means is this. 
we believe there's only one God, along with Muslims and Jews. But what what the Trinity is about is what is the nature of the one God? And Jesus taught us that God is love. And if God is love, who's he going to love? Well, he loves us. Well, that would mean that in order to exist, God needed his creatures. So the Trinity means that within God, there's diversity and perfect unity. St. John Paul the Great said simply that God is the perfect family, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's what the Trinity is. There are three distinct persons in one perfect reality. You know, with your family, you want to be one with them, but there's always something that you come up with that disagree with. God is perfect. So he can be perfectly three and perfectly one. That's the idea of the Trinity. And Jesus is the second person of that Trinity. That, that, that Jesus is the, is, is the beloved of his father and Jesus loves his father. And their very love is so perfect that their very love is a third person, the Holy, Trin- the Holy Spirit. So if you understand very simply, God is the perfect family. And our destiny is to be invited to join that family, to be adopted by God. So the, the doctrine of the Trinity isn't just about the nature of God, it's about the destiny of humanity. So it's, it's a beautiful idea, and we believe it because God is love. And that's the revelation that Jesus taught us. Um, so I hope that helps a little. I hear music in my head, which means I gotta go. But Drew is coming up, so Drew won't be as iffy as I am. I, he never is. He's, he's, you should call him Drew know-it-all, because he's smart. <laughs> 